Welcome to Dylan's Take, the podcast where I talk about movies from all sorts of times, kinds, and read between the lines. I, uh, am, I apologize uh, sincerely from the bottom of my heart for my absence and my hiatus. My hiatus, um, I just completely went AWOL. Um, if you go to my Instagram page, you will quickly find out what happened. Um, there was a little fire that happened, and I just completely uh, threw my schedule off. And uh, to be honest with you, these past three weeks, I've just kind of been lazy and I could have done an episode, but I just chose not to. So I apologize for that. And I thank you so much for your patience. And if you're tuning in right now, um, being an old listener, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I'm glad you still have faith in me. And about Titanic Part 2, yes, that's coming. The script's done. I just have to record the damn thing. You can expect that next week. So without further ado, welcome to the filler episode. And if you're curious as to what the meaning behind this title is, it's just short for 1001 Movies to See Before You Die. This is a novel by Steven Schneider, and the book I have is updated by Eden Hayden Smith. So, because I'm short on new ideas, I figured why not go through these one by one, explain the importance of them. Don't, don't, don't worry, I'm not going through 1001 Movies all in this episode. I'm just going movie by movie with each episode. Uh, anyway, one by one, explain the importance of these films and why you should see them if you love film. And I, I guarantee you, uh, listening to this and then watching these movies, you're going to have a blast. So, we'll be going front to back with this series. So hang on to your butts, because we're going back in time. Way back. Okay, not that far back, but a good uh, 117 years nonetheless. Back when the idea of cinema was known only by few, and not even recognized as a storytelling device. So today we're going to be talking about, forgive me, there is going to be a lot of French in this episode, and I am far from good in French vocabulary. So, um, this episode we're going to talk about uh, Georges Melis. Yeah, I, I, I do not think I'm saying that right. It's a 19, it's his 1902 film, A Trip to the Moon, or Les Voyages dans la Lune, uh, as this is a French-made film. Uh, it cost around 10,000 francs to make at the time, or around... Relatively a couple hundred thousand by today's standard, and it was written, directed, and produced by Georges himself, and he even cast himself in the film as the main character. The plot can be admittedly a, a little difficult to follow in this day and age, given what we're used to now in our average movie-going experience with IMAX, IMAX projection and booming sound systems from all around, and back then all, the, all he had was a square screen, a crappy projector, though revolutionary at the time. As far as sound goes... Well, what you usually had was a pianist from the side with some sheet music. Uh, and this film wasn't even first seen in America. As our first movie theater, uh, the Nickelodeon, it didn't even come around until 1905. And it only stayed there for about a decade. And no one, no, no one really expected what cinema would flourish into and what it would become. And so basically, the plot focuses around a group of scientists who are all dressed up as wizards who gather to listen to Professor... Barbin Fowlis's Barbin Fowl I you know what? Screw it. Professor B's pitch to send a rocket to the moon. And the way he explains this to them, as they're all gathered and they're in this giant hall, and uh, as this is a silent film, uh, he draws a picture of the moon and the earth on a chalkboard. And by the earth, he draws a rocket and an arrow. Going from the rocket to the moon. Brilliant. Just brilliant. 
So, they get together and build this bullet-shaped rocket, and they all gather in it, and they, they're shot into space. Science. Now, if you haven't heard or seen this film before, you might have seen this one nightmarish image of the moon with a human face on it, with a rocket sticking out of its eye. Or at least uh, some other interpretation of it. It's everywhere. I guarantee that you have seen it somewhere. This is where it comes from. This movie, um, <laughs> you, you had no idea that you'd, you'd seen it, in a way. Um, so, they land on the moon. Uh, they dig around for a bit and fall asleep. And then meet the aliens that have colonized the moon. This was a different time. Uh, these aliens are called the Selenites. And the only reason I know that is because I looked it up. And they learn that by hurting them, they combust into a state of smoke. So they leave and take one with them unknowingly and land back on Earth, and they're all celebrated. And that's that. That's the whole movie. Bear with me here. I'll explain why we're talking about it. Uh, now, a crucial topic of today's discussion is length and technology. We start by going back in 1878 when a heated topic of debate at the time was whether or not all four of a horse's hooves uh, can ever off come off the ground at the same time while the horse is galloping. Well, these were simpler times. This was when a photographer by the name of Edward Maybridge... Yeah, again, this is a difficult episode for me. Uh, so this guy, this photographer, comes to settle the argument for once and for all. So what he does is he develops a way to take photos where the exposure would only last a small fraction of a second and lines 12 cameras beside a racing track. So while they were ready, uh, a rider set off on the track with his horse, which would set off trip wires connected to the cameras. As soon as the photos were developed, put together, and watchable, they found that, yes, a horse can be briefly airborne while running. But that's besides the point I'm making. The point is here that this was the first thing to ever be technically filmed. Um, this technology would quickly develop in a few years to come. In 1888, Louise Le Prince, a French, in, a French invent, inventor and artist, invents the first single-lensed motion picture camera and films the earliest known footage on... on <laughs> forgive me. He films the earliest known motion picture on film, and this film being later called the Round Hay Garden Scene. When you watch this, you won't see much other than a garden scene outside of a home with four people, with one notable quote on quote actor who uh, quote unquote actor who uh, walks a half circle around the other three people, and it lasts a whopping length of exactly two seconds. That's freaking rad. This new technology turned heads, and more and more inventors wanted to get on this train, including Edison. With inventions like the kinetograph and kinescope, uh, those lucky few who managed to get their hands on tech could shoot their own two-second clips, generally most notably done by the Lumiere brothers. Uh, this general public, the general public would uh, soon be viewing these clips uh, that were all matched together to create uh, something an audience could watch for for about a good ten minutes. And this clip would range from people walking, these clips would range from walking from People walking on the streets, uh, to town, to work. Uh, some clips were boats arriving to their dock. Uh, others were birds flying. But the tech was also 
new to people that they were actually entertained by this crap. <laughs> I mean, these idiots were so freaking primitive that they actually ducked under their seats when they saw the now classic clip of a train pulling in. But in all seriousness, people were now seeing glimpses of the world in a way that they had never seen before. These weren't just clips. These were testaments, docu documentations of the past. So this is great. It's making money. People are enjoying it. But sooner or later, they're going to stop ducking under their seats. And they're going to move on to playing with sticks and rocks. But this is where one, one guy we talked about, George... Uh, I'm just calling call him George this episode. And he comes into the picture. Now, George was a magician and a stage performer. So when it comes to creating illusions, he is the perfect man to get into this business because though not many knew it at the time, it takes illusion to cast a story, not just on a stage. I guess that these episodes are going to be more like film history lessons, but I personally, I, I like where this is going. Anyway, so after George discovered this amazing technology, he seeked out the Lumiere brothers and pleaded for them to sell him another one of their cameras. But they declined. Matter of fact, they told him that it would be a waste of money anyway, as this phase of cinematography would soon die off. So, what did George do? Well, he went and built his own. So, without hesitation, he got to work, filming everyday life, a few of his magic tricks, and by doing it more and more, he began to learn that even film can be used for an illusion. In his autobiography, he explained that he was filming a regular street side one afternoon with a hand crank on his camera jammed. And he eventually got it to work again, and he discovered something incredible when he developed the film. In that, it in that moment that it jammed, the entire scene changed. The people were replaced by new ones, and as well as the cars, and by accident, he had created the first film trick, and he wouldn't stop there. Double exposure, the split-screen effect, and all sorts of other techniques we still use today. By learning these tricks, he could perform wonders on film that he could never do on stage. Now, he and his wife did something incredible. Instead of just filming everyday life events from place to place, they sold their circus and bought their own movie studio, arguably the first one that had ever been made. And it was here that they created a different kind of film. Not, not three-second life clips, no magic shows. They were skits. Skits with story. This is game-changing. These films didn't just span a few seconds either. They would last a good three solid minutes. These films ranged from The Astronomer's Dream, The Four Troublesome Heads, the six-minute film of, a tale of the, the Tale of Cinderella, and The Temptation of St. Anthony. Here's uh, where we get to the film we are going to talk about today. George later wanted to do something big, push himself a little, and put all of his discoveries into one neat little project. Pulling inspiration from sources like From the Earth to the Moon and Around the Moon, George began to work on his own film, Le Voyage dans la Lune, A Trip to the Moon. The process of filming took about three months, and it spanned not one minute, not two, not four, but a good 13 minutes. I know what you're thinking. Well, that's not long at all. Hell, I've watched Return of the King, the uncut version. Sure, we've all come a long way, but a 13-minute film that wasn't just a bunch of pointless crap all meshed together. This was groundbreaking. If you want to learn more about George, there is a number of films posted on... Uh, there is a number of his films posted online, including the one we're talking about today. And there's also a few memoirs of him posted online. And have you ever heard of the movie Hugo? 
he himself is a character in that movie. And you'll learn more about what happened to him and his work. And it's, honestly, it's quite sad. Sorry to say that. Uh, so, to summarize why this movie is important, and to put it quite briefly, it's the reason why we have films. No one even thought that this sort of craft could be used to tell stories. There was books and the theater, and that was about it. This film inspired many others to follow in his footsteps, and as time moved on, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Sure, watching it today with a naked eye, we kind of have a tendency to see no importance in something like this. But when looking deeper into it, we begin to see it. Its use of dissolves, superimposions, and both the stage and the film itself. A trip to the moon is who to thank for the reason we're able to go to an IMAX theater and watch Endgame. Not only this, but it also unpurposefully established the first ground rules for film. So, I implore you to go watch it. Appreciate the effects the way a dude from the 1900s would. It's on, it's on YouTube, and don't tell me that you don't have 15 minutes to spare. Because you're listening to me right now. So, that does it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in again, and I appreciate the... I, 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 again, I... I really appreciate you guys, especially after that two-week hiatus of mine. You can expect part two of my coverage of Titanic to come out next week. And if you haven't already, share this with your friends. Just one, please. I was just in a fire, for Christ's sake. Okay, well, it was months ago, but still. Thanks again, and I'll catch you at the next flick.